It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. It's early May, and I'm out walking along a footpath through an oak woodland, accompanied by missile thrushes and wood warblers, among other birds. I've just walked along a lane, it's glorious, of bluebells, stitchwort, cow parsley, and it's just so fresh and green and beautiful. My name is Fergus Collins and welcome to the podcast, the nature and countryside podcast from BBC Countryfile magazine. And welcome to our latest season, which is Wild Britain, where we're capturing all these lovely sounds and audibly beautiful landscapes. But for this episode, episode four of our new season, I'm taking you back to March, mid-March, and I had the very good luck to head down to the New Forest in the company of birder naturalist Dominic Cousins, who spent much of his life exploring, wandering, listening, and he was kind enough to share some of his insights. And as you'll discover, his skill is quite remarkable. So come with me to the New Forest for this lovely escape into early spring. It's part one of two podcasts with Dominic in the, in the forest. And I hope you enjoy not just the wildlife, but some of the chat along the way. So here I am with Dominic. Dom, lovely to see you. And lovely glor- to see you too. Glorious day. Welcome you- to the new forest. This is great. And you found a hawfinch straight away. I just although found I a hawfinch, yes, which was... Under contract to BBC Country Farm, I see. <laughs> yeah. so but you a... missed it, so that's your problem and not the hawfinch. It's uh, done or, its part. Yes, OK. So hopefully there might be another one somewhere. But, yeah. Uh, We're standing in a large area of green next to a, a car park. Yes. And there's um, an oak wood with holly understory. And this is a famous place for hawfinches. And oh, right. I'm okay. expecting some more to um, 
appear very soon. So we're in a sort of large glade. This has been grazed very heavily by, um, by, by horses, is it? Or yeah, in fact you can see There's horse, a lot of horse dung everywhere. Dung yeah. everywhere. I'm trying to use the right word there. Yeah, well we, 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 can, we can always edit, Dominic. You know that. So tell us about the hawfinch then. What's, what's, I, I, we've, I don't think we've captured one live on a podcast previously. It's, it's a large finch, I know that. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things to know about hawfinch is that it's a kind of an iconic bird because it's very famously shy. And so whilst it's probably not that uncommon, at least in southern England, actually seeing one can be very difficult because they fly off at the slightest provocation. And it's got a bit of an aura about it. And so if you talk to your friends and you say, I just saw a hawfinch today. Um, they'll be sort of, oh my goodness, did you really? That's amazing. Right, so it's like a sort of mega, a rarity to, to catch. But you're saying they could, there are more of them than we might think because yeah, they're so... Yeah, they're very elusive. They fly very fast um, and pretty high. Well, I missed the one where you, were, you were immediately on it and I, I, I was sort of scanning around. I couldn't see it. Yeah, so. I'm expecting them to come back. I mean, I was only looking at them on Tuesday, two days ago okay. here. So I have my eye in. And what's so special about these trees? This is quite small, sort of rather stunted-looking oak yeah. trees here. And well, this area has been well-known for hawfinches for some time, and it is partly due to the fact that they fed them for a while here. I'm not sure if they still do. Just a few hundred yards away, there's a feeding station. Oh, OK. And they used to catch them and ring them because they've been studying the hawfinches here. And that may be why they, they're still here. But they're eating oak... I think it's oak buds at the moment, and this is a stand of oak here. Right, so that the, anywhere in these trees here. with this, yeah, this yeah. area. Okay. And of course, like many bad things, it, they may be in all sorts of other places, it's just that maybe people don't see them. Don't there. spot them, so they could be around where I am in Wales. I've got lots of oak woodlands, yeah. uh, lowland oak woodlands, which um, they might... They're very easily overlooked, yeah. Oh, right, okay. They're famous uh, for having incredibly thick bills. He's sort of huge outsized. Yes, it's sort of like the head just goes straight into this vast... Yeah, they're, then they're famously able to crack olive uh, stones and right. cherry stones and things like that. And if you ever ring one in the hand, you, you could you actually get quite damaged by... <laughs> really, it gives biting. you a really nasty bite. Okay. Yes, I've never yeah. been bitten, but... Um, I'm not sure I would like to even put one Let's not try it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of those things that... Like a pair of pliers. You don't have to decide in life to to ring a hawfinch if you have one in your hand. It's probably one hazard that you could probably avoid. Yeah. Being um, bitten by an adder. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It'd be interesting to experience it, but that's not necessarily something to go through. Yeah, it'd be something you you could do just to get attention on Twitter. You know, I've been bitten by a hawfinch. Oh, it's so awful. Look at the blood. And uh, you get lots of likes and so on. Whether that's worth it, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, that's the modern naturalist. <laughs> right, yes. Oh, we'll do anything for Twitter likes, some of us, you know. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about kind of... Uh, it is that time we're hearing lots of bird song. Mm. Some birds will be nesting already, won't they? Yeah, very few, because we're at March the uh, 17th. St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Oh, thank you very much. So, yeah, it's March 17th. It's a little bit early. There may be some missile thrushes, possibly, with eggs and rooks. Yes. They'll certainly have eggs. Mm -hmm. But what people often don't realise to think about March uh, is it's a very, very good month for birdsong. Probably the best. There's a raven Raven, raven, flying over us. 
Wow, just a cronk. Oh, there it is. So that's the because with the. I'm going to break off and check a raptor too, which is up. Oh, oh wow! What's this? This is. Oh, it's a harrier. This is really not expected at all. Oh well, that's good. So I've, um, I've, I've, although I've dipped the hawfinch. Oh, this is ridiculous. This is a. There's um, we're in the middle of a new forest, and this is a marsh harrier. Oh, hello, Harrier. Yeah, it must be migrating through. That's remarkable. You see the wingtips. Yeah. There on oh, this is a male marsh harrier. So you don't get those over. You they don't get them. Get them around here. Oh, no, that's amazing. He's just oh, soaring up in the blue. Um, this is this is really very very unexpected. Oh, good. I'm glad we've had a. You see a, a brown tail as well, by the way. So, so it's that's a male marsh harrier. But you might expect hen harriers at winter here. Um, in very small numbers. You can see that the, there's quite a lot of brown on the underside, as opposed to having a sort of ghostly, uh, whitish coloration, yeah. which would be a hen harrier. But, well, that's amazing. Well, that's good. That's good. That is a, a quite amazing. I've never seen marsh harrier here at all in this part of the New Forest. They do occasionally migrate through. So he's making quite, or she is making quite steady progress. Yeah, it's, north, it's north a that male. Way, that, yeah, that's it's northeast. Going north, yeah. Well, wow, uh, that's amazing because oh. we're a very, very long way from any wetland. You know, at least, at so, least so they don't... ten miles, probably more than that. Okay. Uh, on the coast. You've got um, terrific eyesight, actually, to, to pick that out of the blue without binoculars. That was. Uh, I mean, he's, he's or she's going a long there, way away yeah. now. Can yeah. Well. So. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's one of the things, actually, that it is quite a good reminder that when you're a bird watcher, it's quite a good idea to look up. Yes, yes. We're talking about song and we're talking about all this other stuff, but it's almost a sort of forgotten art among bird watchers to actually look rather well than to look up yeah. in the sky. <laughs> yes, you'd, um, you'd think it was the obvious. Looking thing to... on the, we're looking on the treetop for these hawfinches, and we're looking on the ground where there's missile thrushes feeding. Um, but often we forget, especially on a nice day like this, just to look up. I don't know the New Forest that well, so I was wondering if you could just give us a little bit of uh, your own sort of My understanding own of the forest. Of the New Forest. Well, it's obviously I think it's Britain's second newest national park now, isn't it? It's fairly new national park. Anyway, it has been, obviously, most people know it's been, it was declared, so to speak, by um, William the Conqueror around 1066, and he's thought to have introduced fallow deer here. Right. But it was him who originally uh, set it aside as a royal hunting ground. And, of course, the forest isn't necessarily what people think it is. Many people think it is. It's not just Doesn't mean an trees. aggregation of yeah. large, large yeah. aggregation of trees. It means a patchwork habitat of livestock habitation and forest area mm. and it's the largest in the south of England and one of the largest in um, Western Europe in terms of relatively undisturbed areas not, not all built on no no I see major roads coming through it you well can we can we can hear a little bit of a buzz yes yeah. but uh, yeah. we'll uh, we'll treat that as part of the Ambience yes. of, of a Who beautiful knows, watch. You, maybe you could identify as the A31 just by the sound. <laughs> so anyway, the New Forest for a, a wildlife enthusiast holds a number of specialities. Some of them are birds. So we've, the hawfinch is one of them. 
we have wood warblers and red starts, which are pretty scarce in southeast England yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, don't have pied fly catchers, but we have. We've also have they got, gone recently, or were there no, ever don't fly, think pied flies? Ever really a feature here. I should say Dominic's eyes are always looking the whole time. You're sort of constantly vigilant. It's really good. It's sort of a lesson for us all to not really, you know, if you want to see things, you've got to actually keep looking. Yes, I mean, you could you could also think of being rude to you, couldn't you, Fergus? Because you're sort of not quite making eye contact. I <laughs> might see a bird behind you. would rather make eye contact with a hawfinch. I just uh, actually, it's hard to switch off. No, I don't well, I think that's... A place with lots of good birds. Yeah. I, 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 I get that. Do you genuinely find that difficult? There's a Siskin display flight that's about to land. And what it's doing, a Siskin's are small finches. Many people have them on their bird tables yeah. visiting um, so whatever. Quite yellowy, aren't yeah. they? They're sort of yellow, streaky. Greeny yeah. yellow with streaks. And they have greeny yellow wing bars. Quite small, very small, mm. actually. And they're famous, actually, for feeding upside down. Oh. Feeder. But the thing about oh, that this is a Siskin is, call now, yeah, is it? Yeah. Is, okay. Yeah. yeah. The chaffinch singing as well. That's yeah. the main rattle. But the this sort of these things have a little creaky. But they feed upside down, probably because that's what they do on spruce cones. Okay. So literally, the tail is up and head is down. I mean, I don't recommend any uh, listeners do that at home. <laughs> no, no, don't be a Siskin. No, don't, do not behave like this Siskin. It is not recommended. <laughs> So what we've just seen is the Siskin's flown around the tree and it's basically flown in a circle and it's got a little fast wing beats, bat-like flight and it sings its not especially good song and this is enough to, to um, cement the pair bond. All he does is fly in a circle yeah. and the female says, oh, that's fantastic, you're so clever. <laughs> and the pair bond is sealed it's just so, by... So it's like you're not so amazingly easy. impressed by, by the Siskin or perhaps, perhaps quite impressed that it's, it's so easy for them to woo, woo their partners. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's quite, I mean, they try hard, but it's yeah. not exactly an aerobatic miracle. Chaffinch is just fine. Oh, chaffinch. Okay. Troop. No, Chaffinches go troop in flight. So Chaffinch begins with CH and so does troop. And they also have a, a call, which you can hear a lot of this time of year, which is pink, pink. Pink, and pink. their breasts are pink, so... Yeah, that's a good way so of... So uh, easy. That's uh, not easy at all, really. Spend time with Dominic, and you can accelerate your learning of... Uh, learning the bird calls. Or and possibly the, the opposite. Because <laughs> the songs are singing beautifully, actually. Yeah, if we could... Uh, probably, we should perhaps go over and have a look. Um, so other things, so the goshawks yeah. we talked about, which okay. obviously big... Big. You mentioned earlier that they, they predate they the sparrowhawks. Ho- they and, will uh, do that. So the goshawks here are doing pretty well. Um, the nests are very closely guarded secret. Because of egg collectors yeah, uh, for falconry or for, or for just people nicking eggs? I don't know, actually. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. But that's still a problem in the 21st century. Uh, that people yes, are people, people will disturb them as well. Oh, well, we could get onto the subject of raptor persecution. Oh, well, that's a that, that, We've only got a couple of hours. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yes, there's still, it's amazing to think in the 21st century people will rob nests of eggs. Yeah, that's extraordinary. It is extraordinary. So they're doing okay, though. And they're doing well are, in the New Forest. These are sort of more, than, more of them than sparrowhawks. Really? Yes. In the New Forest? You're more likely to see a goshawk than a sparrowhawk here, yes. Now, is there a reason for it? It's just because goshawks are the dominant yeah, bird of prey here? Yeah, the dominant things in the sparrowhawks okay. there. They I... cramp the sparrowhawk style and they eat some of them. Yeah. And they also eat hobbies. 
Do they? And other things. So they yeah. can catch a hobby. Yeah. I suppose, sort of ambush. Absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is, birds of prey are still birds, and they're yeah. edible. <laughs> That's a, a good point. There's so, a lot of predation between birds of prey goes on. I should say a hobby is a is a. Well, you can describe a well, hobby a better hobby than my cat. Like a, a super. Oh, here's a. Sorry, break oh, off. Yeah, yeah, good, good. And this time, I think it is a, a, a gosling. Gosling. Oh, it's not. It's a peregrine. What's going on? Oh my goodness. They? We've got a peregrine over here. This is ridiculous. <laughs> See, um, I'm not a curse, it's just the hawfinch. This is amazing. Yeah, there's, a, there's a peregrine going over. So this is a sort of vaguely sparrowhawk, kestrel-sized raptor, but it's a yeah. whole load more chunky. Yes. And the wings are quite broad at the base and then become very narrow. And the body is very thick set. And you can see it's quite sort of hip heavy. Oh, it's just and a And now you can see the wings are pretty pointed. Yeah, And you Wonderful. can see that fairly short tail and, yeah. and hip heavy. This is again, uh, you do see them in the forest, but had you asked me to list what we might see this morning, neither peregrine nor marsh harry would have featured. <laughs> okay. It's very, very strange. They prob- I'll tell you what, though, that peregrine has probably been having a... A meal of hawfinches. <laughs> it's, it's had it's had all seventeen. We're not um, doing very well with uh, describing what we should be seeing. So here at Boulderwood, in the middle of the forest, um, we have a good hawfinch site to the right. We've got a large conifer wood, which will be a good place for crossbills, and also siskins will breed here. Behind the car park, there's a large spruce wood, which was one of the early firecrest strongholds. Right, okay. So now there's lots of... So we might hear a firecrest today. We may well um, encounter a firecrest. There's Dartford warblers on the heaths not far away. Um, The area, there's an area near here which is quite good for lesser spotted woodpeckers. Oh, well, that would be exciting. And um, there are woodlarks here. So that's the Oh, my goodness. The excitement is rising. If you can provide an adder as well, then are we... Yes, a good time. It's It's a good time time for you for adders, adders, isn't it? And this is a good spot for them as well? Yes, the whole forest is is good for adders. I don't look for them here. um, Well, we we will just look up and look down and around. Yeah. I should also actually mention invertebrates because the New Forest is a huge stronghold for uh, insects, and especially there are there's so much decaying wood here. Yeah. A very large number of invertebrates are found here in the New Forest, um, and so a lot of invertebrate people come down and. You're an invertebrate right. person as well, I, I know, and I think an you should. I think you should mention that you've got a book coming out this year. I have uh, a book coming out in May, uh, co-written with uh, somebody called Gail Ashton, who's a photographer, and it's called. Um, it's just a uh, an entry level guide to co- common garden insects of Britain Ooh. mainly, and the idea is to um, for somebody who's really not doesn't know too much about insects they'll open the book and they'll see a picture but hopefully we'll also give them some really fun information on each species great great so for example the lacewing larva eats eats aphids and things like that and lacewing larvae often put the carcasses of previous meals over their body <laughs> to, to call, sort of camouflage them. I know somebody does that. And well, and we uh, all do, yes. We try not to sort of... <laughs> yeah, that's what we won't talk about friends it, with them, do we? No, I didn't think you'd know people like that. But, yeah. but again, I mean, um, you know, uh, there's a species of gnat 
yeah. Gannat in the world that beat their wings a thousand times a second. A thousand times a second. A second. Oh I mean, that's ridiculous. Isn't yeah. it? And so the oh, book is full of. A thousand times a second. So, I know. I know. You just have to Good think gracious. about that for a while. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, I guess they don't think about it too much. No, they don't have time. They're thinking about their next meal of blood if they're females. Oh, OK, yeah. Of course, the male mosquitoes don't take blood at all. They're just sort of pollinated and okay. go around doing nothing, no harm whatsoever. So 50% of mosquitoes aren't a problem. <laughs> I think we should, <laughs> yes. we should look at this in a totally different way. <laughs> yes, we really should. Um, but they're only taking the blood so that they can... Um, uh, provide nutriment for their eggs. Yes. So they're just being good mums. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that's why so they, irritating, they bite you. But, uh, yeah. There's a lot of things that could bite you here, of course. Uh, horseflies. Good place for horseflies. Yeah, yeah. A bit later in the year, hopefully. I think that's one of yes. the great curses of, of um, the well, capsule. Yeah, you're saying they're curses, but they're, they're also amazing. Well, there, here we go. We can have this. I, I, I do agree with you, and I love insects. It's what got yeah. me into nature in the first place, was oh, just really? rummaging around in the garden. Okay. So beetles were my thing yes a coleopterist i was as they a child. are incredible here and so yeah. and, and just so interesting and it's easier to sort of identify in some ways than that you choose that's the, a siskin, the siskin flying over yeah um so i'm fascinated but also you know, it, it's sort of yeah i think it's interesting to talk to you about horseflies where they do bite you and they, the, the the bite is a incredibly itchy sort of your whole leg swells up it and that's does, yeah. um does it make it easier for you knowing that at the fascination of you sort of go, oh well, yeah, it's just a horsefly doing its thing. It really thing. does. Yeah, oh, right, okay. They're pool feeders. Yeah, horseflies. Pool feeders. Pool feeders. Pool, pool as in swimming pool. Yeah. So what they do is they come in and they make a wound, mm. and they wait for the blood to exude yeah. into a pool, and then they <laughs> drink, drink it up. Drink it up. With okay. Some, a bit like digging a well, then, and or, or sort of digging, sort of, and waiting for it to. Well, yeah, sort of um, finding a sort of oil pipeline, say, yeah, yeah. or making a, a break in it, and all the all the oil comes out, and then you drink the oil. I don't know quite where that came from. That that uh, analogy, that yeah. analogy, but it's in time. So we'll we probably should walk away from this grass okay. thought now, and let's and, go and uh, explore a different. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. So before we left, there's a crossbill. I hear it. It's yeah, right over, yeah. flying away, I see, I see, I see, past yeah, that yeah, cloud. Yeah. Tallest tree, left got of it, tallest got it, got tree. Yeah. Now, that was nice. That was calling now. Jip, 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 jip. That's what I heard in um, the Forest of Dean, mm-hmm. which I thought was a Wolfinch, bizarrely, because I was okay. over-hopeful. Oh, no, that's all right. You can... Well, that's, that's obviously we'll let you We'll let you off that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I, at the there'll time, be a limit of what we do oh, let right. you off, though. <laughs> Um, I went fishing recently oh, for a podcast. Oh, sorry, there's a pied wagtail. That, that sort of chis- 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 We call it the Chiswick flyover. Chiswick flyover, there it is, coming chis- straight chis- over. Chis- so that's another way of remi- remembering. Yes. Only if you live in south-west London. <laughs> but yeah, it's a Chiswick flyover. And actually the, the pied wagtail is, um, there's the pied wagtail and the grey wagtail. And one goes, this is the sort of London mm. wagtail, which occurs in um, insalubrious places like car parks. Yes. And then you've got your grey wagtail, which is sort of the, the other side of the tracks. Yeah, like a lady of the water. Absolutely. It goes, zizzit. 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 One goes, and the other goes, beautifully enunciated, zizzit, as if it was a BBC announcer. So there, wagtails, how to differentiate. There'd be plenty of grey wagtails on the rivers in the, the world. In the yes, yes, the grey wagtails breed here. 
I should point out, of course, that for those that are not particularly familiar, that the pied, pied wagtail is a black and white bird. People think pied means black and white, doesn't it? It means mixture, yeah, as in okay. a pie. Oh, really? Is that mm, the same that's what pied actually means. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the grey wagtail is actually yellow. Which is With some confusing. Yeah. It has yeah. grey on the back, but it's yellow on the front, which is really confusing when you know there's a yellow wagtail That's as well. a migrant, isn't it? That's wagtail. a migrant. Actually, it will arrive quite soon. Not common at all. Not anymore, but uh, where you are, there's probably... I think there might be a hawfinch. Ah, flying. I just saw something flying. Yeah, that's yeah. a hawfinch. OK. Are you, uh, I may, As in that occasion, always yeah. seen flying over red cars. Yeah. No, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I was going to say is thing. it's amazing how you're able to, you're another level of ability to spot and see the sort of. I mean, I know that these people You're my new best friend, actually. Well, that's, but, Thank you. Well, but that's you know, something I would love to get. I mean, my eyesight just isn't as good. Um, but also, I'm just. You obviously know from the movements of the bird in flight exactly what it is. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, there are, um, I suppose also having been here many, many times before helps, and you get your eye in literally, and you've got the habitat mix, you've got the place mix, and so all those things go together, and then as soon as you get a bird which fits a profile, you pretty much fire in on it, because you are, yeah. you expect it to be here, in you know what to look for, and so I'm sure if you spent time here enough time you'd be doing exactly the same and as would anybody I think one of the interesting points to make though is that I've always been under the impression that when people start bird watching they're under the impression it's actually very easy they sort of look in their garden and they identify birds and and so on but it's like every everything Um, it actually isn't that isn't that easy and Learning bird song in particular. Mm. I mean, I have people who come on bird song trips and they expect to be experts at the end of two hours. But it's a, so if you're if you're learning French, and you go to a market for two hours. You don't come back fluent. Mm. You probably come back confused. And I'm afraid a lot of people spend two hours in, in the dawn chorus and they're more confused than when they started. <laughs> well, I think everything gets so jumbled together. Yeah. And you shouldn't, therefore, sort of expect to be really good at an aspect of birdwatching very quickly. You do have to practice, like, yeah. like everything. And that means just getting out. You might want to check this, though, okay. because a bird has landed. I will try and scope this. Um, okay. It doesn't actually look exactly right. Mm, ah, it's flown off anyway, so oh. we shall never know. There's a missile thrush. Missile thrush, thing, that's really. a wistful... Sad, rather sad song, I think. I love it. Absolutely, it's melancholy in bird form. I call it the Leonard Cohen bird, actually. (laughs) Because it's um, constantly, oh, it's a butterfly uh, going along past the middle holly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't we go and listen to the missile thrush? Let's go and do that. We'll come back for a song. We can always come, you know, they could be around any time of day, these hawfinches. Yeah, yeah, well, we may see them as we go. Okay. They're all around this area. Yeah, there's a goldcrest just here. Really. I'm sure it's gold. Yeah. Of course, there's Oh yeah. You can get that, can't you? Now I just can. Oh. I really am losing. That's. 
I know, it's horrible. It's a sad thing, and I'm sorry for you. because that's, <laughs> me, um, I'm sorry for me too. Yeah, so that's a really strongly singing gold, gold crest. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I've all but lost both gold and fire crest. I'll, I'll, I'll try and be your ears for those. Thank you, you be, well. You can be the other 200 species you can, <laughs> you can do. Well, I suppose, yeah, I mean, it's a shame, but it's... Um, you also have to be very realistic about about I'm incredibly fortunate because if I was only a bird guide uh, going outside with with people as we're doing today, then the loss of the um, some of the bird songs would be a catastrophe. Whereas yeah. I'm very very fortunate because I'm able to combine um, doing walks like this with. Um, Writing, which is my main occupation, and you don't need to be able splash, to hear splash. anything to write, so no. I'll always be able, hopefully. Well, unless my mind goes as well. Um, I didn't like to say, <laughs> no, uh, um, no, um, hopefully it won't. Well, in the end, but do you know, Fergus, um, there's a holly grove here, isn't it? Yes, it's a big and significant yeah. holly grove. And the bullfinches apparently do take holly fruits. Oh, OK. Berries in the autumn, obviously. Sorry, interruption. Oh, yeah, I was just saying, I've been incredibly fortunate. And so, in my life, I've written loads of books, and I've been 40 to... 40 books, isn't 40, it? 40, yeah, 40, with a whole bunch of cunning. I know, it's just yeah. ludicrous privilege, honestly, every yeah. one of them. Ah, uh, chip-chap. Oh, well, yeah. this was here on Tuesday. First of the year for me. Oh, well done. I love that missile thrush. Yeah, let's get closer to the chip Yeah, because it'd be nice to talk missile thrushes for me. Yeah. There's a green finch. Green finch. And then it kind of goes, it has that sort of wheeze. Yeah, they do. I call it the constipation sound, actually. Okay. We might forget how it's doing it now. Wheeze. You will know how that feels. And then that's what the green finch is doing. Oh, right, so there's another good way of... So, so we have a um, missile thrush then. Here we go, missile thrush. So, there are three common thrushes, common-ish. This is missile. So this is M for melancholy. It's going to stop singing because that's what they always do, isn't it? Um, that's still going. singing. Greenfinch, is that? Yeah, we have a greenfinch trilling away. So it's a little bit more missile thrush there, but uh, it's surprisingly pacey. So the phrases are short and quite pacey, so there's not a. This one's a bit hesitant. Um, It's worried about its its rights, you know, in a podcast. You can hear it now. So there's not many gaps. The gaps between the phrases are short. Yeah, but they're also slightly different. So it'll have favourite phrases that recur. So I always think with the three thrushes about if you're trying to take dictation, though a missile thrush would be the hardest because um, they're quite short, but the pauses between them are are short. If you've got a blackbird, each phrase is long, but there's a gap. So it goes... (laughs) And then there's a gap and you can write it down. Ooh. 
And then the easiest of all is the song thrush because it repeats everything. Okay, so, so last year we were we were alluding to this like thing. Rule of six, rule of six, rule of six. Keep safe, keep safe, keep safe, keep safe. And all this nonsense, you know. It's the song thrush. Yeah. And it repeats everything in sequence several times before moving on to something different in a very studied way. So everything's very clear. With a missile, which you can hopefully still hear uh, behind yes, me. Yes, I, I can get it. It's, it's, um, I'm just going to put these headphones on. So yeah, sure. Exactly what I'm so with the missile, it's still just about going. Um, it, I always think it slightly mumbles, actually. It's yeah. not as well enunciated as a, as a song thrush. I feel it's got its sort of hand on its brow, and it's just, just in a rather sort of... Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah. It's a romantic... Pre-Raphaelite pose of sad, sad woe, tragic yeah. death coming. Yes. Um, Whatever, whatever's going to happen, it's going to be miserable. If you're a missile's rush, yeah. yes, that's right. The song thrush is a little urgent, thinking, not sure about this, not sure, not sure, not sure. Could be bad, could be bad, could be bad. Yeah. And then the blackbird. Everything's fine. Yes, yes, it's sort of a rich, beautiful bird, drinking rich, beautiful yeah, burgundy. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and it reminds me of those evenings of, uh, you know, May, May and June. Absolutely. June, that sort of out in the summer garden. It is a late. feel-good bird, the yeah. blackbird. To my mind, the ultimate feel-good bird. That's lovely. Actually. Do you have a favourite? I mean, I know you probably get asked this a lot, and I'm sorry for this question, but do you have a favourite bird song? Yeah, you... the blackbird is it. It is. Okay, so I have. Yeah, better than nightingale. Better than <laughs> nightingale. Woodlark. Woodlark's <laughs> sensational. I just don't hear it enough. So the, the blackbird I hear so often that it can actually have an impact on my life. So uh-huh. if I'm having a stressful day, and I hear a blackbird, it literally will lift my mood. Whereas. Yeah. I'm not going to do that with a woodlark because woodlarks are relatively scarce and I'm usually on a trip taking people around. So you don't have that occasion just to no. enjoy for the sake of enjoying it? In the, in the, in, like not with, with woodlarks, no. Not normally. Because obviously, if you're leading a trip and there's a bunch of people who will all have different levels of experience yeah. and so you might point out a woodlark but you haven't really got time to enjoy it in the sense... But you can enjoy their reaction. Yes, yes. Because as you and good. I know, Woodlark is one of the most beautiful bird songs, certainly yes. in Britain. One of the most beautiful in the world, probably, mm. the way it goes down the semitones. Um, yes, let's hope well, we could potentially find one. We could today. potentially find one, but our, our record at the moment is not looking that good. But you never know. They good, are around. Great yes, stuff. we've had good, good birds, but well, not the ones I told you we might see. Well, oh, that's... that's, that's uh, so we've got a fence here. Actually. Yeah, this is the fence. deer enclosure. So this is the deer are inside here. Yes. Why are the fence? The fence in because this is a domesticated herd. Is yeah, I'd say that um, when the people come to see the deer, they are there, <laughs> right, as opposed to hopping okay. away through the forest. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is must do that with a bit, a bit of a shame. <laughs> yes, I've got a I've got a cage of hawfinches just <laughs> over here, which I shall. Yeah, release and I've got the wounds on my hands to prove it you see. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing so it's in a vast area of just holly trees yep. and is there a word is it called a holly what, is there a holly? Be a holly burisum it ought holly. to be shouldn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not sure there is uh, a word for a holly word I guess yeah, yeah. 
You can uh, listen to as much as you like. That's a, gold, gold, a goldfinch flying yeah. over and going, tickle it, tickle it. Tickle it, tickle it. Is it these are all your conjurations. Well, some of them yeah. are, and some of them are stolen from other people, obviously. Yeah, okay. But um, That's a useful... This could be a useful way, a, a mnemonics for, for people yeah. to, to try to, to just accelerate the learning. Because a lot Absolutely, of people do say to idea. me, how do you learn birdsong? And I, I would say 30 years, and I'm not even remotely... Well, I can tell you that that's not true, because clearly you know pretty much everything that's flying over. But um, I think the main thing with birdsong is people shouldn't get despondent. People say, I know no birdsongs, and then, well, do you know Cuckoo? Do you know Carrion Crow? Do you know, you probably know at least a pigeon. If you don't know what species it is, you know it's a pigeon. And so you have a start, you know, pheasant, most people probably know pheasant. Um, and so you've got to start. Well, that's a good pheasant. <laughs> it was a terrible pheasant. Right? That's quite a good pheasant. Actually. I've been trying to do a pheasant. But, but so. think about the number of people you can recognise by voice. Yeah. If you can do that, you can do bird songs too. Mm. So long as you can hear them, obviously. Some people have a restricted hearing of uh, high-pitched sounds, obviously. Um, but don't get despondent. And actually, if you learn ten species of birds thoroughly you probably will account for maybe 50% of everything you hear that's so that's a pretty good tip yeah you've got say let's let's think of the 10 crucial ones so you've got your blackbird and your song thrush missile thrush is a bit scarce these days so blackbird and song thrush songs then you've got chaffinch maybe greenfinch these days goldfinch blue tit and great tit and then you've got, crucially, you've got Wren, Dunnock and Robin. Yes. And yes. if you learn all of those, the songs... They're all quite distinctive from each calls. other. Yeah. Uh, Greenfinch going over two Greenfinches, yeah. I wish they were Hawfinches. Uh, <laughs> and then they didn't hatch in the right species. We do have two raptors above us, two buzzards. There are three raptors above us. These are... Oh, lovely, it's a display. They're displaying, so they're... You can hear them mewing, too. Wow. And what they're doing, three of them, and at the moment they're all soaring at a height, but every so often they close their wings and dive down. Yes. And that, that one did a sort of, oh, I'm not sure how you describe it, a cartwheel in the air. Oh, they're amazing. Yes. Uh, absolutely. It's great. They're sort a, of, it's almost like they're on a, on a sort of... Tr- uh, yeah, they're like um, they're that... attached together and yeah. elastic, and they're all coming together and going yeah. apart. But they will shut their wings and dive down. Oh, just like that. That this like one that is, one's this doing. And that yeah. one's diving down towards what's presumably its mate. The other one's uh, drifting away, so that could be a territorial rival. Uh, they don't fight very much, but they kind of fly close together and mew at each other. And so it's, that it's was so two exciting. males and a female there, likely to be. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I can, I'm only guessing. But, um, they are more territorial than most birds of prey. We're having an excellent bird of prey day, aren't we? Well, that's not um, bad. That's three so far. Yeah. And, uh, and these and have very short tails, by the way. Yeah. The previous... Oh, look at that. So that, that was, a, was that lovely. Was a, They're almost a touch of the talons there. Uh, and was that a courtship thing? Yes. That, that was just... Yeah, that, that looks like courtship. Well, this is really fascinating. I don't think we've ever so, yeah. looked at buzzards like this. No, well, um, this is a great time of year. And also there's a little bit of a breeze. So that gives, using them, the breeze. gives, them, gives them a little them bit of out. lift. Yeah, yeah they, they really are 
using the um, atmosphere to make points if to you, each other. If you just stop to watch them for a while, it'd be quite. That's a really lovely thing to do this time of year. Is just yes. to kind of. And they're more vocal now than um, at any time you accept when they're young hatch, and then they really are. I, I think it's one of the great irritating sounds of the countryside is a young buzzard calling for its its food. I used to, in, in sort of August time, isn't it? Yes, so, that's right. Or, or, awful. I, I, you know, I, I, it's a pitiful call. Oh. <laughs> I'm being very judgmental. <clears> that, yes, the nice. words in this podcast are not the responsibility of, especially not the person being. I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to stray, and then you're allowed to put me right. Oh, uh, whether I stay, I right would know. Have a chiff chaff yeah. singing. Yes. So he changes subject rapidly. Then that's good. Let's move on to chiff chaff. So that's the, he's he's arrived from. Uh, yes. Where, where in Africa? Chiff chaff. No, West Africa. Now uh, they will come quite a long way, actually. People get a little bit um, confused because they think that um, they know that the chiff chaff is a effectively a resident species in southern England, at least. Oh, really? what, it will, so it will... here in southern England, where we are, yeah. there will be lots of chiffchaffs in the winter. Is that a new thing, or is that all? It is a new thing. It's thought to be. It may be related to climate change. Um, so they don't. What what probably is happening is that northern chiffchaffs, uh, in other words, from Scandinavia, maybe even Russia, probably come here and spend the winter here. And in the same time, our breeding birds probably mainly go to Africa. Maybe some go to Spain as well. well okay, I see. So yeah, it's a, yeah, yeah. It's a complicated a lot of, situation. Yes, that's, uh, that is interesting. So there's a whole load of... If you were drawing the arrows on the map, you'd be mm. in all sorts of... You would have lots of different arrows. Yeah, yeah. It's not that's what they think down. is happening. I'm not sure there's too much proof about the, the origin of the... It's um, a small bird, isn't it? How would yeah. you describe it in terms of looks? It's a blue tit sized bird and it's largely olive green, paler underneath. Um, easy to overlook, really. It has a, a fascinating its habit of flicking its tail downwards. Easiest way to tell from a willow warbler. Don't bother even to look at what, it, what its plumage is. If its, wing, if its tail flicks down incessantly, it's a chiff chaff. Chiff chiff, okay. Um, I hadn't heard that. That's oh, good. Right, okay. That's, that's a without... willow warbler will do it occasionally. But not incessantly. And it has a glorious song. The Willow Warbler oh. song, is it? But, oh, my goodness, yeah. One of, one of the great I songs. might start crying in a minute if we, if we talk about Willow Warbler oh, song. Okay. That's another stunning, it is stunning song. How would you describe it, then? Because I've made many attempts. I have recorded it. We have lots in the Brecon Beacons, and I've recorded uh, of course, it many, yes. many times, and, and some really good recordings. But uh, I've, I've, I've let the bird do the talking, but I've tried mm. to describe it. But what, how would you...? Well, it's a sort of slight uplift, up-tilt and down-tilt. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do, so slightly up the scale and slightly down. It just feels like it's um, being on a, on a slender breeze, it's sort of a slender breeze bird song, slightly yeah. sighing as it does it. So yeah. Very relaxed. So impression is very relaxed. Um, but you're right, it's hard to describe. Yeah, I think, um, so. I think molten, for some reason, like melting. Melting? So, I don't know, it's like a sort of cascade of melted... It's, uh, there's a raven coming over. Oh, yes, with right it, over. Really very close, very with close. its um, wedge-shaped tail. Yeah. Shame it's not calling. No, we could do with a big cronk. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. 
Oh, oh. Okay, yeah. that wasn't Dominic. That, that, was, the <laughs> that was the raven. Yeah. So you got ha oh, 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 for the uh, raven, and you've got for the carrion crow. Sounds angry. And then the rook is a carrion crow that's had anger management classes. So instead of going rawr, 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 angry, it goes rawr, rawr, rawr. all the edge yeah, is taken off. It's great. angst. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> that's so. That's perfection. I'm so pleased I've recorded that. That <laughs> was quite loud, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, Sorry if anyone's lost their hearing as yeah. a result of that carrying. But, um, we've got a wheezing. The wheezing um, greenfinch. It also goes green. Seedy. Seedy. Exactly. Well, it is a seed eater. Well, so. true. Okay. <laughs> it eats more sorts of seeds than any other finch, I think, the greenfinch. Right. Yeah. It's got a multi-purpose bill, so... No. Oh, nuts hatch in the background. So finch is a seed specialist goldfinches, thistles and teasels, um, and um, siskin, spruce and alder, and uh, hornbeam and oak and beech and cherry for oarfinches. And so they often quite specialise. Greenfinch has quite a broad bill, so it can take things like um, sunflower seeds, but also very small seeds like dandelion seeds. Interesting, but it's not doing that well. No, it's patchy. I had a little rant on a podcast a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I hadn't had my coffee, but it was about uh, gardens being overly tidy. Oh, and, don't um, get me started. Well, on that. Would you like to have a rant on that? Because it, it, and I, I was perhaps extrapolating that that might be affecting greenfinches as well. It could easily. I mean, yeah, I'm very happy to rant about it, but let's just. Let's just put this down to one thing. <clears throat> if there's one thing you want to do as conservation, you can do it in your garden if you're lucky enough to have a garden, or if you don't have a garden, you just have a flat, if you have a shared space, you can concentrate your conservation efforts there. And so there's a lot you can do in a, in a garden, and I think there are a number of golden rules. Don't, unless you have disability issues or something like that, mobility issues, sorry, um, don't put a plastic lawn down. Yeah. They are a really bad idea. They look pretty, but you're basically taking the outside, the inside out, aren't you? Ooh. You're just having another room in your house. Yeah. Um, so please, unless you have to, please don't use plastic lawns. And don't use pesticides. I think in this day and age, if you can avoid any pesticide. And the third thing is, for goodness sake, except a few untidy corners, because mm. it'll make all the difference. Yeah, that's good advice. Okay. I mean, that's, those are actually three things which are not in, an imposition. I know a lot of people who will just balk at the, the no-mo idea. I know lots mm. of people who just... Mm. And, Greenfinch flying yeah. away. And fair enough, fair enough. I, I would... Yeah, yeah, I, I get that too. Well, we don't want to make life awful for people either no. do we no i think that's a good point that this is i think a lot of people think of it as oh this hair shirt we have to have these horrible mm. messy gardens mm. and everything becomes mm. a sort of miserable no you can have a corner yeah, that's fine it's, conservation yeah. is about hearts and minds we want to win people over oh. we want people to come out here into the forest and to say oh my gosh this is absolutely fantastic i want to come again i want to protect it we want people to love seeing stuff in their garden. We don't want people to be unreasonably burdened by... We've got enough burdens in our lives. Yeah. Uh, of all, and especially recently. I want people to fall in love with wildlife, fall in love with the natural world. And whoever they do that, that's the most important thing. Whoever you are, 
wherever you come from, you can fall in love with wildlife and it'll always, always be there for you. There's been a lot spoken about mental health issues. A lot of people have really suffered in the last few years. And although it's not a panacea and it's not a cure, spending time outside like we are today just lifts you. Yes. Most people anyway. You just feel lifted and it's a free way of doing it for as long as you can walk or access somewhere. And it's just the most brilliant tonic. Fall in love with nature. That's Dominic Cousins there telling us how to win hearts and minds and get more people to make space for wildlife in their gardens. And I wholeheartedly endorse that. And I had a brilliant time with Dominic. So brilliant, in fact, that that's only part one of two episodes. And Dominic will be returning with me in the New Forest later in this podcast season. But to talk to me about wild things, wild places, New Forest, Dominic, are my two beloved podcast friends in the studio again. Um, Hannah and Jack, lovely to see you both. Lovely to see Hello. you. Firstly, Jack, it's good to see you back. I'm back. Back from, back from the COVID. I'm back in business. So, and he's looking well. And uh, oh, a little bit older. Much. <laughs> <laughs> and um, oh, so we're recording this. It's early May. That was recorded with Dominic back in March. So lots of things have changed in the countryside since then. But one thing that we are, you know, th- those of us who, are, who love wildlife in our gardens, practicing No Mow May, where it's trying not to mow, to leave the lawn and to leave other areas wild, while birds are nesting and raising their young and butterflies and other insects are having their, you know, going through their life cycles, laying eggs, caterpillars are feeding. No Mow May, are you... Are you... I have got a lawn. I have not mown it. Ever. In May. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't for May. Um, You've got a rabbit. Is the rabbit mowing it for you? Well, so that, that was one of the concerns was also when you know there's a rabbit or wildlife there, you've got to go careful with stuff like streamers and oh, yeah, yeah. lawnmowers and stuff. So we've kind of left it a bit anyway for him because we thought he'd like it. We, did, we tried it last year. We've um, got a few borders in our garden and some of them are just quite shady. A lot of the times, a load of plants and flowers don't really grow in it. Um, so rather than just sort of trying to grow stuff that's inevitably not going to grow, the last couple of years we've just bought wildflower seed and just shoved that in there because... Perfect. Yeah, the wildlife will thank you. Yeah, and it's using up a bit of space that I don't actually have to do put any effort into. <laughs> just <laughs> chuck a few seeds down, it grows, well, and it does its own well, thing. Well, that's one of the things about... So some people put down, as Dominic mentioned, plastic lawns because they don't want the faff of gardening and they don't want to have the mowing and, frankly, kill. It's just death for wildlife. Mm. That and so I find them really unpleasant to walk on. But there we go. The other alternative, if you're a lazy gardener, is just to let it go a bit. So yeah, Hannah, are you? Are you? I know you're. You're sort of living in a flat at the moment. I but... am, um, but my parents have um, part of the lawn turned over to a wildflower meadow. And it has been a meadow for four or five years now, I think. And we're starting to get orchids. Uh, what? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I've not so, seen an orchid this year, actually. There's some feeling a great lack of orchids in my life. That's wonderful. Yes. So that's one of the, like, one of the things that you can have if you keep up the the meadow, the shearing and the kind of leaving it for yeah. a 
couple of years they'll because as you don't because you don't leave it long all year round you have to cut it and yeah. through winter it's all cut yeah it does look a bit bleak in the winter but yeah. it's like it's just really interesting so um we've got quite a lot of trees around us and there are some nesting crows um up in the tops of the trees and one will come down and they will only peck the area that is the meadow so they're not interested in the area that's fully grass mm. they it's so obvious that there's so much more life in that section of the lawn. Um, it's fantastic. I love That's it. That's wonderful. Orchid seeds are tiny, so they can turn up anywhere. So people who say, oh, nothing, I've only got daisies in my lawn. Things will turn up yeah. eventually, but it's about patience. Oh, also, the um, what turns up every year is different. And uh, the longer you leave it, the more likely it is to find its own natural balance. So last year we had loads oxide daisies and the year before that we had loads and loads of wild carrot. So it's all, it's a pleasure to see every year and that's a surprise. amazing. So you just have this sort of surprise delights. Wow. That's the same with the park, my local park, where there's a bit of a battle between the people who don't want it to be left long and, and yeah. those of us who would prefer a little bit of wildlife. Um, it was wonderful seeing knapweeds and marbled white butterflies which drop their eggs from a height. They sort of bomb the grass rather than lay. <laughs> I think it's amazing, but uh, some local people don't want yeah. to see that. And I find that hard to... Hard to uh... But Dominic's quite right. I thought it was really interesting when he was talking about let's not beat ourselves up and burden ourselves. So there's, there's compromises to be made. Definitely. I think there's also some people, I think, worry that by letting some of their garden go, you attract stuff like, I mean, the point of it is that bees and stuff will come about. And mm. I think people are then like, well, I don't want bees. And yeah. that puts them off. Yeah. But I think like I've got, there's a few little, I've got a few shrubs and stuff that are very bee friendly. And it get, they have loads of bees on it. Like, it's about like this weekend when it was nice and warm and sunny. I mean, you struggle to count how many bees there were popping about in it. But then they don't, interfere with you they're busy, they're busy yes. doing their own thing yeah. so even though there's loads near you so you think people are what, afraid of being stung i don't know if it's that yeah. i think it's just the yeah. bees come in people have that phobia of bees that's but i i think there is that sort of worry that if you let your garden go a bit it's inevitably going to attract the bees but you don't want to be by bees because you don't like bees okay so you don't do it <laughs> <laughs> i know um, people talk about rats coming into their garden mm. but to be honest Rats are in everybody's gardens, pretty much, um, unless it's completely plastic lawn. But rats travel everywhere. You know, there's, there are all sorts of things coming through at night. I mean, I don't think having long grass is going to encourage a rat population. Probably having a compost heap or chickens <laughs> is where you get rats. Um, but both those things are incredibly valuable as well. So it's kind of the balance. And um, what I do disagree, though, is horseflies. There's something... Um... Scourge of the countryside. <laughs> They are they are tough. They're tough to love. They spoil every summer picnic. That's... Every walk <laughs> by a stream. I'm just going to go out in a full beekeeping costume. Yeah, from yeah. like end of May until September. I think <laughs> if if you've had a horsefly bite and it's 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 really the most painful, irritating. I bite remember once getting have. one either side of one of my knees, and I couldn't bend my knee. And having to like be helped onto a train because I couldn't actually like make oh, so the step. A proper injury. Yes. As official spokesperson for the horseflies, <laughs> I, would, I would say, in a grand scheme of things, us getting a little nibble from them 
is not as bad as being hunted down by a a bird that's going to eat them. I think we we they've got the rough end of the deal. Well, they've got their they have their place no, in the great. In the, in the, they have their I'm ecolog- an absolutist. <laughs> <laughs> so horsefly. Well, any listeners out there who would like to defend the horsefly and other irritating summer insects, <laughs> please email us uh, at editor at countryfile.com because we like to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Please do send in reviews and likes and whatever. We we do love to get some some thoughts from listeners. And which is actually a very good time to bring in a lovely letter from a listener. So this is from Jackie Lockyer, all the way from Australia. They've written in to say, You ask what I love most about the podcast. Most of all, I relish the long solo rambles, cataloguing what you're seeing, feeling and sensing. They invite my imagination and soothe my soul. I love that you share your knowledge of the flora and fauna and your sense of awe and wonder and appreciation. Somehow the fact that I don't know the birds nor the wildflowers nor the terrain makes these episodes very attractive and calming for me. They offer an escape. I know there are violations like disrespectful dog owners letting their dogs harass wildlife or litterers and encroachments of developers and roadways and all the pressures of humankind in the UK, just as there are in Australia. But I love it when none of that enters an episode. I love it when I feel I can drop my guard and concerns and just enjoy the deep connection with nature. And I love it when these episodes are long enough to relax into and lose myself and get some distance from my own concerns. So many thanks to all the team. I do greatly enjoy the Shorter Soundscapes too, of course. Uh, they play a delightful and different role in my listening life. Well, thank you, Jackie. That's lovely and very kind of you to say so. It's There will be undoubtedly some episodes where we do encounter issues the B one, the B issues, horseflies, uh, you know, access issues to the countryside when you're out. When I'm out solo rambling, but they're really fun to make because it's a journey of exploration for me. What we don't know what's going to turn up, and that's really exciting. Hopefully, there'll be time for lots more over the over the course of the year. We're just enjoying a fabulous spring at the moment, and I'm desperate to get out and do some recording. And I had a lovely walk recently. Fact, just the other day to do a little bit of recording, and there were pipe flycatchers everywhere in a wood that I normally walk like four or five miles or drive to a woodland to see pipe flycatchers. Just a, they're quite um, relatively uncommon bird in Britain, but you find them in the oak woods of the West, particularly in Wales, and they're really beautiful black and white birds buzz around the trees. Really fantastic. And so, and I travel this distance. And what? pilgrimage to see them and i went for a walk just 15 minutes gentle stroll to the local woods which i've never seen them in before and they were everywhere singing i saw four in the space of a quarter of a mile it seems like they've 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 colonized this woodland so that's exciting anyway that's my what i've been up to um i'd like to have captured that and perhaps i will do a do a ramble down there. But what have you guys been? Have you guys been out and about? Managed to escape into the wilds? I heard my first swift this week. Oh, swifts are back. It's happening. Yeah, that's great. Way. That is great. That's so uplifting. It's just a wonderful, wonderful noise. Yeah, it's a great screeching call, but it is so. Yeah, they're just amazing. They're otherworldly birds. They're not birds that perch and just sing. They just bomb across the sky and don't don't care about us too much. Jack, have you? Any any swifts? No, uh, oh. no swifts. It it was Freedom Day uh, today, so 
it's my first day I'm finally out and oh, about. Of course. Yeah, so yeah, um yeah. yeah, last last week or so has been a bit indoorsy. Uh <laughs> to put it put it lightly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Convalescence. But I'm now very much now I'm out and the weather's looking like it's gonna be really good this week. I am quite looking forward to my newfound love for being outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, the world's a, a fresh and new place oh, for it's, you. Oh, it's incredible. It's, even my garden was a new new world. Well, we are really hoping to all gather on Friday for a little adventure together in mm. the countryside, all being well. The weather looks good. You're going to come up into the South Wales and we're going to hopefully, finally, find a cuckoo for Hannah. <laughs> um, but, but I don't like to promise anything. And so we will we'll just wait and see. So hopefully we'll have some really, we'll have some fun tales to tell of our adventure together. We haven't been out together very much in the last couple of years. So it's a much needed adventure. But for now, that's pretty much all from this podcast. I would like to just uh, give a plug for Dominic's new book, which he did mention in the podcast. And to say it's called an identification guide to garden insects of Britain and Northwest Europe. And it's by Dominic Cousins and photographer Gail Ashton. So it's, and it's all those kind of juicy stories that he was talking about, sort of the, the grim and grotesque and terrifying and beautiful that's sort of hidden in, in the insect world that we don't look at. So this book hopefully takes you into that world. And um, as I say, Dominic will be back in part two where we find firecrests for the first time in the podcast, which is really fun. So listen out for that. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Jack and Hannah. And join us again next week for another adventure out in the countryside.